Yeah, Roseanne Barr's ex-husband, kind of a joke, Tom Arnold, um, is doing a show for Vice in which he searches for incriminating videos of the president. He's he he's mentioned the in the past that he has he has, he he knows stuff that that exists on tape about uh, about Donald Trump, and he and Michael Cohen are going to work together to take down Trump. Uh, we'll talk about that more later. All right. I, I don't know if that can be done. By also, the way. you remember old Lois Lerner in the uh, the targeting of conservative group? Blockbuster information has just emerged on that. Uh, if you're you know, interested. Uh, right now, we welcome uh, Congressman Tom McClintock of the 4th District of California to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Uh, Citizens Against Government Waste recently named Tom as one of only two perfect votes in the House fighting wasteful government spending. That's why we love him. Hello, Tom. How are you? And, and, and there's never an end to that, is there? Oh God! How many no. people? How many people that you work with on a daily basis care about smaller government? Uh, say they care or actually care. I mean, we actually just had actually care. Actually yeah, well, care. We just had a vote in the uh, budget committee yesterday over a budget that promises to balance in ten years. They could put the language that actually balances the budget in ten years into the operative portions of the bill. I I actually had a motion to do that. It was voted down. Uh, Democrats and Republicans. So I would say there's probably about a fourth who are serious. There's probably about half who say they're serious. Interesting. Interesting. And a uh, final note before we get on to the news of the day. Were you a, a fan of Charles Krauthammer? Oh, of course. And uh, he's, he's going to be greatly missed. Yeah, yeah, really uh, amazing guy. So, uh, listen, what the hell is going on with the votes on uh, illegal immigration there, Tom? Well, we're having what the founders designed the legislative branch to have every time we needed to make a decision. They were having a great, big, ugly, nasty food fight. Uh, that's what the founders designed our system to do. When, 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 when a decision was to be made by our country, they wanted that. They wanted the issue to be held up to every conceivable light. They wanted every voice in the country to be heard. They even designed the system so we have two houses that are specifically designed to disagree with each other. Once we've settled our disagreements within, uh, within the individual houses. Uh, so th- th- there's, there's a reason for that. When the decision's made, they wanted it fully vetted and that's what's going on right now it's a messy process it always has been you remember what uh, churchill once said about democracy many forms of government have been tried and will be tried in this world and sit in woe and democracy is by far the worst except for all the others that we've tried from time to time and you got to remember that regularly yeah um that is the case uh here's what i don't get about the immigration thing though oh a lot of the individual pieces poll very well. Uh, people regularly say these controversial. They're not that controversial. Practically, everybody wants the border secure. Uh, uh, two-thirds or more agree that we should do the uh, merit-based. Um, uh, that that uh, two-thirds or more, you know, whether Republicans agree with it or not, believe the, the DACA people should have some sort of path. If If we passed all those, wouldn't we be in a much better place? And it should be easy to do. Well, it should be easy to do, but of course the order is very important. Uh, we learned that in 1986 uh, when we had amnesty uh, and a uh, proposal to fully secure the borders, including employer sanctions for hiring illegals, which is the real magnitude is creating all of this. Of course. We got the amnesty. We never got the border security. We had at the time three million illegal aliens in the country. They were all legalized. Uh, we never got the border security. We never got the uh, the employer sanctions. Uh, we got them on paper, but they're totally enforceable without E-Verify. Uh, uh, so uh, it's, it's very important we get the border security first, and then we can talk about amnesty. 
Uh, otherwise, we simply encourage a new wave of illegal immigration. Oh, yeah. uh, legalized well, three million back in '86. Now we've got as many as twenty-three million in the country. I asked the question earlier. You know, how many people really want to do something about smaller government? You said about a quarter actually want to. About a half say they do. Where are we in terms of people who want to solve the immigration problem? How many people actually want to solve it, or 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 how many people like having it as an issue, either as a Republican or a Democrat, to blame the other side about? Well, I, I think in, in this case, almost everybody wants to solve it, but it depends upon your definition of what is solving it. Uh, there are two irreconcilable views on the subject. That's why you have so much controversy. Uh, one of the views is basically open borders uh, or various variations of that, that our borders shouldn't mean anything. We ought to uh, uh, welcome all people from around the world, in which case we really don't have a country. I mean, countries that either cannot or will not defend their borders simply aren't around very long. Uh, there's another view, and that's the rule of law, that we have a right to define the sovereignty of our border, defend our borders, and uh, and determine uh, who will be allowed into this country based upon what they will bring to this country. So, well, I don't know. We keep asking you how, the, how many questions, but I can't believe there are that many people who are so intellectually uh, stunted that they don't understand the concept of a country and a border and, and the right of entry, et cetera, et cetera, and think that we ought to just have like a shopping mall that anybody can wander in and out of, um, as opposed to people who, who just think uh, the downtrodden will come in and vote for socialism and vote Democrat. I think it's it's much, much bigger numbers on the cynical opportunist side than the, uh, you know, utopian ideological side. Well, I think it's both. I, I think there is a very, very cynical political calculation uh, on the left. But also, I think that there is just a disdain for our country, the disdain for the, the, the notion of, of sovereign nations. Uh, uh, and this this uh, la la land view that um, uh, uh, we should be a uh, uh, a world without borders. And uh, you're a moron if you think that a complete <laughs> moron. I mean, that I, just no makes, offense. That makes no sense. Yeah, I, I, I get that. But but you you read what they're saying. Oh, that, yeah, that's a significant view on the left. Congressman Tom McClintock of the 4th District of California is online. Hillary Clinton said that out loud one time. I don't know if she believed that or not. She said that out loud once. That there should be no borders. No borders, yeah. Yeah, that's ridiculous. I thought Jeff Sessions made a very good point a few months ago, and he pointed out, look, if we are not going to enforce our immigration laws, then our borders mean precisely nothing. It's a federal crime to cross the border illegally. If it wasn't a crime, the borders would be meaningless. Well, and, I, I and, saw one of your our country would just be this vast space between uh, Canada and Mexico. I saw one of your Republican colleagues from Arizona uh, yesterday said, in in his district, there virtually is no border. I mean, it just doesn't really exist no. currently. Wow. So, uh, listen, I personally think the White House's leadership on this issue lately has been pretty, uh, pretty questionable, kind of chaotic, hard to say what they're in favor of. Um, what's your view on all that? Well, I, I, I think. Fundamentally, the president is doing his job. Uh, the Constitution gives the president exactly one job and one responsibility, and that is to take care that the laws be faithfully executed. Uh, uh, and that is what he is doing, and he ought to have the support of every American who, who believes in the rule of law and in the sovereignty of our country. Um, the executive order, as I read it, uh, simply says that we're going to keep families together to the extent uh, uh, allowed by law. Um, well, he's already doing that. You know, if we arrest a, a, a drunk driver and they've got a three-year-old toddler in the back seat, 
we don't arrest the toddler and take them to jail along with the drunk driver. We arrest the drunk driver, take them to jail. We take the toddler into protective custody until we can find a safe space for them. That's what's been going on at the border, and it's not just under the Trump administration. That's how we've been doing under every administration. The alternative is you arrest the toddler and send them to jail with the lawbreaker. Yeah, the, the well, the Trump administration, <clears throat> excuse me, announced the zero tolerance policy where they'd uh, arrest everybody. So it's a greater number of people seeing that happen, but it, it's not a new policy per se. Exactly. Well, well, again, we we arrested uh, people illegally crossing the border under the Obama administration. Not nearly as many of them, but we did. And when we did. And they had children with them. We separated the children, took them into protective custody while we uh, uh, sent the lawbreaker to jail to be processed. Uh, uh, That's no different now than it was under the Obama administration. The only difference is Donald J. Trump is now president and the left suffers from this, you know, Trump derangement syndrome that anything he does, they'll set their hair on fire over. But the fact of the matter is there's a really simple protection from being separated from your family. Uh, Whether you're a U.S. citizen or an illegal immigrant, the way to uh, protect yourself uh, from being separated from your family is don't break the law. You know, that's one of the great uh, divides, I think, between conservatives and, and liberals is that on the progressive side, you're really reticent to make people responsible for their own actions or to give them the right to choose, including choose badly, uh, the things they will do in life. Uh, that seems perfectly reasonable to me. Look, don't sneak into the country, period. I know you're in desperate straits. Okay, apply for a, uh, a refugee status at a port of entry. It's very exactly simple. Right. And by the way, a lot of families are doing that. A lot of families are, are approaching our country at the uh, uh, points of entry, claiming asylum. I think a lot of their claims are bogus. I think a lot of it is a terrible abuse of the asylum system. Right. But they're at least following the law as is currently written. In that case, they're not separated from their families. Uh, uh, there is no prosecution because they are obeying the law. Now, I think we need to change that law, but they're in compliance with it. Uh, the, 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 uh, the family separations are occurring when people are illegally entering this country and bringing their children with them. At that point, they have committed a crime. They are subject to arrest. And the president doesn't get a choice in the matter. The, the Constitution doesn't suggest the president ought to enforce the laws. It doesn't give the president the choice of what laws to enforce and which laws not to enforce or who gets to live above the law and who has to live subject to the law. It commands him to take care that the laws be faithfully enforced. Yeah, but we uh, both but, know that the bureaucratic state has become so ginormous. Every president does decide which laws he's going to follow and which he doesn't and sign executive orders and the rest of it. And that is a grave danger to a country that is supposed to be based on the rule of law rather than the whims of a ruler. Hear, hear. So uh, tell me I'm wrong, Tom. In six months we could talk to you and nothing substantial is going to happen with the immigration issue. Uh, I can't tell fortunes. I can't read mine. So I I don't know what's going to happen six months from now. This is a problem that is not going to go away the congress is focused on it and as um, as as uh, chaotic as this process i know looks like from the outside and feels like from the inside it ultimately does produce results and i have great faith that we will in this case too it, it, boy in this particular issue man i've been i've been listening to this my entire adult life yeah yeah final question do you have uh, a bill that you're in favor of uh, a favorite at this point Oh, I think the Goodlatte bill, uh, the, the, the the compromise bill, I've got big problems with it. It triples the number of people who get amnesty. Uh, it provides full federal funding to sanctuary cities. 
It does nothing on E-Verify, uh, which means that the employer sanction that we were supposed to get in 1986 is still going to be unenforceable. Uh, and it's got chain migration provisions there that effectively gives amnesty to uh, as, not only as many as 2.4 million illegal aliens who came here under the age of 18, it now it would also extend amnesty to the parents who illegally brought them here in the first place. Interesting. Tom McClintock of the 4th District of California. Uh, keep uh, kicking Heine on the Budget Committee, Tom. Well, thank you very much. You take care. All right. Yep, we'll talk soon. I don't think I could get anybody to bet me, but I'd oh, bet, no, please, I'd bet actual money six months from now nothing of substance has happened on the immigration issue legislatively. Well, I'm a man who enjoys a wager, and you would have to give me enormous odds for me to take the other side. I mean, like, make me wealthy odds, because there's no way they're going to pass any significant no. it, it, productive legislation. It's just... It's too useful as an issue, I think, for a lot of politicians, for the the leadership, the party leadership. Yeah, anyway. and I think he's being uh, generous with the number of people who actually want to solve any of the... Yeah, it'd be tough to put a number on it. I think both, there are absolutely uh, unreal, uh, unreconcilable differences between the two parties, particularly at the outer edges. And you've got it's an incredibly useful issue. I don't see how that can to get be, people to the polls. I don't see how it could be possible just based on the polling you see. You you are perfectly safe on 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 several of these big issues. Why couldn't yeah. you do all th- all of them at once? Where you know. got two thirds or more, you know, approval of this. I don't know. It's no way to run a country. Yeah, it's something. Um, I want to talk a little more about uh, Charles Krauthammer, a conservative uh, columnist who died yesterday. And the conservative columnist part has nothing to do with this story, by the way. Oh, that's right. And I was going to divide humanity into two groups. I need oh, yeah. to begin doing that immediately. Oh, yeah. Uh, also, the real bad guy in the Lois Lerner IRS Tea Party targeting thing, the real villain, his name will shock you. Okay. The long and short of the Charles Krauthammer thing is maybe one of his appeals is he's a better person than me. He's a better person than you, most likely. And I don't know, maybe that was attractive as something as an ideal to live up to. Some Uh, model for your role? Is that what you're saying? uh, Stay tuned. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Having what the founders designed the legislative branch to have every time we needed to make a decision. They were having a great, big, ugly nasty food fight. Uh, That's what the founders designed our system to do. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. So here's probably a good rule of thumb. And it's true, you know, for just uh, just people in your personal orbit or on the national stage. If somebody dies and many people come forward and say, that's the most extraordinary person I've ever known, you should probably take note, you know, of yes. what's going on. Yes, indeed. And uh, John Poderitz, uh, also a public intellectual and a writer and thinker, neither know who he is or not, but he said... Charles Krauthammer, who died yesterday, was the most extraordinary person I've ever known, and I've been blessed to know many. Has anyone ever done more with their life that God handed him, or played a bad hand as astoundingly as Charles did? Well said. And boy, I don't know of anybody. Charles Krauthammer's story, which he never told unless, like, somebody asked him specifically over and over again. He never talked about it. You would never even know that he was paralyzed from the neck down, and it happened in college in a diving accident. 
and the story that was drug out of him of how when he went off the diving board, somebody moved the diving board to the shallow end of the pool. And so he went off the diving board and smashed his head on the bottom of the pool. But um, as he laid at the bottom, he immediately knew he was paralyzed from that down. He was in medical school. And a he brilliant was, medical school. He student, was actually yeah. reading a book about spinal injuries at the time. Mm-hmm. So he he immediately knew he was paralyzed from the neck down. And he had the thought of, I've got to move past this immediately or it's going to take me down. In and, life. In life, yeah. Right. As he was at the bottom of the pool. Which is absolutely amazing. And... How many, I'm, I mean, I'll admit right now, if I broke my neck as a young man or now, I would spend a hell of a lot of time, if not the rest of my life, saying, poor me, I've got it worse than everybody else. And so would you. I mean, almost everybody would or does, and who would blame you? Uh, but he didn't somehow. And you know, I don't have, I don't, I would never even think of being able to get all the way there. But if I can get just a little bit of that, a little more of that. Yeah, by by you know watching his story, that that's a step in the right direction. Here, here. There are many people that can do that. That's I don't I don't know what sort of power of mind or or what that is. Well, again, you know there are things we're born with, but you know inborn tendencies, and those are incredibly powerful. But whether you can become ten percent better or fifty percent better, it's worth the effort. Attitude. And you see somebody like that. And it makes you want to be better. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Attitude's an amazing thing, though, because I think we've all done this, where you've got a bad attitude about something, or you're just having a bad day or whatever, and you can, on a dime, sometimes be reminded of uh, things that are good, or just pull yourself out, and then it's over. You feel the the switch flip in your brain. And things are the same as they were then, but... Then you were miserable, and now you're not. So true. Purely on attitude, and man, that's the that's. I'll, I can't be as smart as him. I mean, there's nothing I can do about that. But I, maybe I can work on having the better attitude. So, uh, speaking of which, there are a fair number of people who are uh, online uh, trolling and saying, "Glad he's dead. He was an a hole. F him. Burn in hell. Blah mm-hmm. blah blah." And I would say that's a pretty good dividing line for humanity. Whether you uh, disagreed with him ideologically, he was uh, highly critical of Donald Trump. Maybe you're a Trump fan and you hated him. <clears throat> a jerk named Krauthammer. Yeah, I, I would say um, if if you're that sort of person, I don't want to know you. I wish we could find the clip because the funniest clip we've got is Charles Krauthammer talking about Donald Trump reviewing his book, reviewing Krauthammer's book. Yes. And Krauthammer says, Donald Trump gave my book a two-word review. Book sucks. <laughs> Is that in the interview with Charles that we're going to air it at 8 be. o'clock? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, we had a, a long chat with Charles a couple of years ago, and uh, it's the last time we talked to him, and, and we're going to play that for you. And we're going to play that for us, frankly. Got to work on my attitude. What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, Michael, can we once again have Brandon the Breaking News donkey standing by because we've got breaking Supreme Court news. Oh. Ruling just came down on the cops' access to your cell phone. Holy and cow. A bad day for the president's man, Corey's. <laughs> Corey? Wow. Swamp long. Coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Well, I suppose when you have breaking news, you get to the news, huh? Well, let me tell you this. Paying off the big IRS Lois Lerner story thing, and we'll get to the full thing in a minute or two. I'm saying thing too much. That's the thing. (laughs) One of the main bad guys in the story turns out they've just uncovered internal documents. One of the main bad guys, John McCain. 
In the lowest learner story? Yeah. Wanted to bring the tea party down. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah well, that was uh, that's uh, Rush Limbaugh's theory for a long time. Exactly. Yeah. Why? Why? Uh, why is the IRS getting away with this? Why are the Republicans letting them? Because uh, they were in on it. The Rush was the, right. The biggest threat posed by Mega-dittos. the posed by the Tea Party was to the establishment Republicans, exactly. not to the Democrats. Correct. Let's get the news now with Marshall Phillips. All right, Michael. Can we have the breaking news donkey? Breaking news donkey. Supreme Court breaking news. The U.S. Supreme Court ruling in favor of digital privacy in their 5-4 decision today. Another 5-4. Yeah. Wow, I almost said hallelujah, but okay, another 5-4 job. 5-4 decision today. The justices decided that police need warrants to gather phone location data as evidence for trials. God, what's the argument of the four? I might have to read the minority opinion on this because I'd like to hear what their argument is. Uh, Carpenter versus the United States is the first case about phone location data that the Supreme Court has ruled on. That makes it a landmark decision. Yeah, this could be huge. This, yeah. this could be cited for, for many years to come into, into helping our privacy. Landmark decision. I'm on the majority side of this one. Landmark decision regarding how law enforcement agencies can use technology as they build cases. The dispute goes back to a 2011 robbery in Detroit where police gathered months of phone location data from Timothy Carpenter's phone provider. The legal and privacy concern was that police gathered the four months' worth of Carpenter's digital footprints without a warrant. Interesting, and you can't do that now. Nope, nope, nope. The uh, the, uh, Sixth uh, Circuit Court of Appeals ruled that uh, cell phone location data is not protected by the Fourth Amendment, which forbids unreasonable search and seizure and therefore didn't require a warrant. The high court did not agree. So this is a uh, this is a major step towards uh, digital privacy, you know, protecting your digital privacy. I'm looking at some of the analysis. Um, well, I can of- see the argument, but I'm glad they went the other direction. Uh, looking at the analysis of this on uh, SCOTUS blog, which is a great source yep. for you know decisions and, and analysis and the rest of it. I don't like the word SCOTUS. It doesn't it sound sounds right. like, yeah, part of your privates. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> got kicked right in the SCOTUS. So uh, long and short of yeah. it is you will hear the decision oversimplified and misreported all day long. There are a couple of different legal theories that it was decided on. And, uh, and, and hmm. It's complicated. I'll see if I can figure it out and get back to you on it. But you've got two completely different doctrines that might make you want to vote with the majority on this case. And some of them were saying, yeah, because of this. And some were saying, yeah, because of that. So it's really a a, a head scratcher. But the idea that my location information is not protected by the Fourth Amendment, that didn't win the day. No, no. President Trump is tweeting about the immigration battle going on in Congress. Trump tweeting this morning, Republicans should stop wasting their time on immigration until after we elect more senators and congressmen and women in November. Dems are just playing games. They have no intention of doing anything to solve this decades-old problem. We can pass great legislation after the red wave exclamation point. Should I read this uh, Charles Krauthammer quote about Donald Trump? Now, when, when uh, Trump announced Charles Krauthammer uh, was very dismissive of, uh, of Trump, called yes. him a rodeo clown, and, and thought he was a sideshow to what was a very important election and everything. But once Trump was elected, he was, uh, he was on board with a number of the policies and that sort of thing. Well, he was even-handed. 
But uh, here's a quote from the late Charles Krauthammer on Donald Trump. This is beyond narcissism. I used to think Trump was an 11-year-old, an underdeveloped schoolyard bully. I was off by about 10 years. His needs are more primitive. An infantile hunger for approval and praise, a craving that can never be satisfied. Well, that's a psychiatrist's... That's like your opinion, man. That's a psychiatrist's interpretation of Donald Trump. Hmm. Meanwhile, CNN is saying former Trump campaign manager Corey Lewandowski is being... Corey, our man... He's being dropped by the Speaker's Bureau that represents him. Now, the Speaker's Bureau, this was one of the top uh, Speaker's Bureaus in D.C. We'll take the gig. They provide uh, loca- They provide dates that pay a lot of God, money. Do you hate to blow up that gig? A lot game. of money. Because that is wah, G- wah. I read a- That's the best gig in all of the world, is yeah. the speaking, getting big checks for giving yeah. the same speech everywhere you go. Yeah. That's yeah. that's the easiest money in the world. Yeah. Wow, he sad tromboned himself with his sad trombone. <laughs> yes. It's meta sad trombone. What, what caused him to be dropped from the speaker circuit? Well, it happened during a Fox News interview when Lowendowski reacted sarcastically to a story about a ten year old child immigrant with Down syndrome who'd been separated from her family at the border. I read today about a ten year old uh, girl with Down syndrome who was taken from her mother and put in a cage. Wah, wah. I read about a a did you say want want to a 10-year-old with Down syndrome what being I taken from her mother? What I said is you can pick anything How you dare want, you? Up, but the bottom line How is very dare clear. You? When you cross How the border you, illegally, you How have given you? up the we rights of this country. Taken from Look, their we mothers. are a country with we borders. We are a country of stolen from their mothers and put into cages. And when you cross this country okay. illegally, and, and you your parents so understand this. this. Oh, they understand how dare you? When you cross the border, how dare you? The, the media reported it as "womp womp" for some reason. <laughs> They're stealing children away and putting them in cages. That guy got caught yeah, off right. guard, and but if you had time to prepare, the best thing to do would just be I'm just going to let that hang out there, Corey. Right. I'm just going to shut up and back off, and you right. you go on with the womp womp yeah, on this ten year old girl with yeah. the Down syndrome. You, Continue. I don't want to get in your way. Go on. Yeah. I would like to cede the rest of my time to my opponent, yeah, yeah, please. Exactly. Keep talking, bro. <laughs> Lewandowski has refused so far to apologize for his reaction. Wah, wah. And so now the Speaker's Bureau, big-time agent, said, oh. ah, you're done. How dare you? Of course, that might last a week. You don't know. Right. I don't, I, I, I don't get the idea that Corey Lewandowski has a super long shelf life. <laughs> no. Uh, you know. And that's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips. The Armstrong and Getty Show. The conscience of the nation. Now, did did Corey briefly date, what's her name? The hottie in the White House? Hicks. Hope Hicks? I, I think did, so, did, yeah. He, I yeah. thought he did yeah. briefly, yeah. and that's kind of what turned on. She started dating the other guy who was right. abusing her, apparently. Right. Then he was at the, before that, he was at the center of that fake uh, assaulted a girl reporter story right. that right. Right. was exposed by the security cameras as, as well, fake. Um, on the other hand, he is yet another one of those, like, tough guy New Yorkers. Who Trump liked to uh, surround himself with? But he and Michael Cohen would get along well, unless they're you know constantly trying to out tough guy each other. We're gonna... Speaking of tough guys, John McCain, war hero, no doubt, but it appears he was waging war against the uh, conservative Tea Party movement as well. I want to hear that, and we're gonna rerun an interview we once did with Charles Krauthammer at eight oh four, which I I want to hear myself. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty, the conscience of the nation. 
The Armstrong and Getty Show. So we got to figure out how to spend our time. I want to hear this McCain story. Obviously, we're going to replay an interview we once did with Charles Krauthammer, who died yesterday, coming up at 8.04. But we do have a late-night joke-off about Melania's jacket. Oh, boy. I'm actually kind of excited to oh, hear about Oh, man. We haven't talked about that since early in the show. So. All right. Is it ready to go? All right. Have it ready to go. I'm going to go through. This is so... You know, no, I'm not going to rush through this. I'm not going to, and you can't make me. I don't know. I don't know who you're arguing with. So, uh, Judicial Watch today released newly obtained uh, internal IRS documents. They are still trying to get to the bottom of, well, a number of different things. That's what they do. But um, including the targeting of, of conservative groups, Tea Party groups, by the IRS, who are singled out and harassed, etc., um, in a way that should make any person of a free society... Uh, it should chill you, no matter whether you lean left or right. Using the tax arm of the government to target, to abuse, to hurt political opponents. <clears throat> anyway, they released uh, these documents, including material revealing that Senator John McCain's former staff director and chief counsel on the Senate Homeland Security Permanent Subcommittee, Henry Kerner is this guy's name, He urged top IRS officials, including then-director of exempt organizations Lois Lerner, it's the Kerner-Lerner axis, axis, to quote, and I quote, audit so many that it becomes financially ruinous. Okay, well then that's that's just plain using the IRS as a weapon against a political opponent. Just plain plain straight out. Exactly. Ruin them financially. Uh, this because Kerner they're guy, a threat to our cush gig of taking in money and spending more than we take in. Right, and pretending to care about fiscal responsibility. These people who actually care about fiscal responsibility are really going to screw up our and hustle. And the Democrats Ruin didn't like them. that, and a lot of Republicans didn't like that. Right, right. Kerner, by the way, was appointed to a big fat job by President Trump recently. Because the swamp is the uh, swampy as ever. The explosive exchange was contained in notes taken by IRS employees at an April third twenty uh, sorry April thirty twenty thirteen meeting between Kerner Lerner and other high ranking IRS officials. Just ten days following the meeting, was Turner in the meeting and Burner, uh, former IRS director of exempt organizations Lois Lerner admitted that the IRS had a policy of improperly and deliberately delaying applications for tax exempt status from conservative nonprofit groups. And I was wondering aloud, repeatedly at the time, why can't the Republicans get to the bottom of this? Why aren't they asking where the order came from? Because the Obama administration, Barack Obama, claimed hilariously that, oh, that was just a little, uh, they're getting crazy there in Cincinnati. You know, this hack doesn't decide policy, this Lois Lerner chick. It obviously came from high up in D.C. And at the time, I said it had to come from the White House, whether the president or the chief of staff or something like that, clearly. Well, I got it half right. Lerner and other IRS officials met with select top staffers from the Senate Government Affairs Committee in a marathon meeting to discuss concerns raised by both Carl Levin, Democrat of Michigan, and John McCain, R of Arizona, that the IRS was not reining in political advocacy groups because they were pissed off about the Citizens United decision, which McCain called one of the worst decisions I have ever seen. And McCain was mad about not only the Tea Party people, but the role of contributions to them in politics. So he wanted to use the IRS to choke these groups to death. In the full notes, 
Kerner recommends harassing nonprofit groups until they are unable to continue operating. Kerner tells Lerner, Steve Miller, then Chief Staff, IRS Commissioner, blah, blah, blah. Maybe the solution is to audit so many that it is financially ruinous. In response, Lerner responded, and Lois Lerner, who I've given a kick in, she said, it's her job to oversee, oh, no, I'm sorry, I misinterpreted that. It's her job to oversee it all, so yeah, she can do. Um, uh, she also suggests that she's got to oversee so much, it's going to be tough to do what they want her to do. Um, Judicial Watch previously reported on the 2013 meeting. Senator McCain then issued a statement decrying, quote, false reports claiming that his office was somehow involved in IRS targeting of conservative groups. Uh, The IRS previously blacked out the notes of the meeting, but Judicial Watch found the notes among subsequent documents released by the agency that confirmed the original reporting. Okay, that's all very interesting that John McCain was involved in that, but how come she didn't end up going to jail or something? What happened to her? She retired, right? Well, she had the highest level protection in both parties. The, the the entire weight of the Republican and Democrat parties can, was joined together protecting her. But you, even with that, though, you can say out loud that uh, we're going to use the IRS to bring down a political group. And if you're Senator John McCain's uh, chief of staff or whatever his chief counsel, yeah, hmm. there it is another beautiful example why I'm not a Republican. I deregistered a long time ago. That's interesting. How do you like that, folks? Keep hey. You know what? I'm all, I'm yelling at you people on the left all the time about putting your faith in big government and politicians and the rest of it, that they'll bring you utopia and what a ludicrous notion that is. Hey, uh, conservatives, how's your party looking now? So it's Friday morning, first weekend of summer. Do we have to? How much time we got, Michael? Can we do it? Oh, we can do it easily. We got the late night joke off. Then we got a we got a Trump tweet that just came down that could oh, be very no. big news. Oh, golly. I'll greet each comedian. The bottom of the band for life. During a trip to the border, Melania was wearing a pretty interesting coat with a message written on the back. It says, I really don't care, do you? Nobody really knows what it means or if it means anything at all. Meanwhile, President Trump was going through his closet like, where the hell's my coat? Where is it? His wife, Melania, went to visit some of these children in McAllen, Texas. But did you see what she was wearing? Keep in mind, she's on her way to meet children who've been separated from their parents. This is what she wore on the plane ride there. A jacket that says, I really don't care, do you? Is the president now tweeting onto his wife's clothes? First Lady Melania Trump was wearing a jacket today with the words, I really don't care, do you? Written on the back when she boarded a plane to go visit the border. You know, a lot of people are giving her a hard time about it, but I think it's nice that she had a jacket made to display her wedding vows. You know, I, I got distracted trying to think, how did this happen? And I missed uh, I missed a lot of the humor there. How in the world, how does she own a jacket that says that? I mean, doesn't she just know in the role she's in, anywhere she goes wearing a coat that says that? Right. It's going to be weird. Right. It's a little weird for a woman your age to be wearing clothes with logos that say weird things anyway. I mean. I don't know what that is. I mean, that just seems a little strange to start with. It boggles the mind how that coat was chosen for that trip. (laughs) It just, it's, it's bizarre. And no, it doesn't really matter. Nothing first ladies do really matters. There's too much attention. We don't want a royal couple. That's not what this country is about. On the other hand, WTF. (laughs) So did you grade the jokes? 
Yeah, Fallon with a C is, please, barely recognizable as humor. Kimmel got a B-plus. He made me laugh. He's deducted half a grade for his constant leftiness. <laughs> uh, Myers was a C-minus. Again, not even recognizable as humor. I'm telling you, if you haven't watched some of Ted Cruz and Jimmy Kimmel Oh, play, so I'm, I'm sorry. Myers is banned for life from comedy. <laughs> if you haven't watched some of Kimmel versus Ted Cruz on the basketball court, <laughs> I, really need I can't to. believe that went on for two hours. It took an hour for one of them to get six points. No, yes. stop it. Well, the problem is you get so fatigued if you're not in shape. And so, I mean, the problem is neither one of them is good at basketball. Yeah, yeah that is the issue. I, think. I don't know. If you're, if you're 50 and out of shape. Pretty soon, you just you can't you can't you just can't yeah. Even but lift if the guy's two up. steps back from you, you just jack up a fifteen footer. They, did, they barely had the energy to get the ball up. <laughs> they were just like, oh, how about uh, a little cardio, fellas? The ball wasn't getting high enough to even oh have a chance. <laughs> God, they're like eight year olds. So Charles Cranhammer died yesterday. I was a big fan. Joe was a big fan. We're going to rerun an interview we did with him once uh, coming up, and I think it's well. I know it's going to be good. Yeah, I want to hear it myself. Yeah. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show.